Hello and welcome family. Whether you're joining us via YouTube, Facebook Live or Impact Radio, we are so happy to have you here. And we trust that today's service will leave you feeling blessed and equipped to face the week ahead with hope and zeal. Today, Pastor Louis is launching a new series entitled I Am, which will run for seven weeks and cover the seven I Ams in the book of John. For now, let's praise and worship the Lord together. home today. I pray that you would bless the Lord today, that where you are right there in your home, that you say, Lord, from the inside of me, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to declare that you are God and you are King and that Lord, you are enough for me. We're going to sing a song now that declares that Christ is enough for you. And as we play the song, let it not just be something that we sing, but let it be the depth of your heart. Worship unto the Lord and says, Christ is enough for me.
there's nothing in this world that could ever satisfy with us this morning and 
renew your faith and say, but I have decided to follow Jesus. And there's no turning back. Doesn't matter what comes. There's no turning back because He never lets me go. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. sing a new song. It's old, but it's new because we're singing a different version of it. And we're going to start with the Zulu part. It says in English, with everything I have, I will bless you, Lord, from the inside out. And then later, it talks about how with everything I have, I will praise you. I will worship you, Lord, from the inside out. So I'd like to encourage you to sing the song with that in mind, like, what does from the inside out with everything look like? Does it mean you have to perhaps change your posture right now? Stand, sit, lie down, kneel. What does that look like for you in, in your home right now? I'd like to challenge you to show the Lord how do you worship Him? How do you praise Him? How do you bless Him with everything?
So Lord, it is our honor, it is our privilege to worship you. Because you are worthy of all of our worship. You are worthy of everything that we can give to you. And we think of David that said, I will not offer God anything that cost me nothing. Thank you, Lord, that whatever we give you, we give with joy, we give with gladness. And right now, as we go into the offering, Father, we give you our tithes and our offerings, and we, we worship you in this way also, because we love you and because our lives depend on you. And we thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. It's time to give tithes and offering, and won't you just, as you've decided in your heart to give, and as you give with joy and with, from a place of, of expressing your love for God, get ready to what you want to give. Thank you for giving so faithfully. Uh, you can see the bank account details come on the screen right now, and also use SnapScan. If you want to give an offering, please do that through SnapScan. Uh, and thank you for continuously giving in such generous ways. Well, I'm excited today. We're starting a new series that will take us uh, the next couple of months, two months or so. Uh, and the title of the series is simply I Am. And uh, we're going to be talking about God's I Amness, that great title that God gave himself, I Am. And uh, this is such an important thing in our lives. If you think of, for instance, about when fire was first harnessed by humans, I don't want to say discover because obviously fire existed before that but there's a point in history we don't quite know when obviously where people figured out how to use fire how to start fire and how to use it and how that changed all of our lives every one of us our lives are so different because we know how to use fire this moment in history that is recorded for us in Exodus 3 is a moment like that when Moses met God and God revealed I am that I am it's a moment that changed all of our lives, that has changed all of history, and all of our lives is different because of that revelation. That's what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks, what impact this has made in our lives to know God as I am. But today we're going to jump right in, and we're going to start with Exodus 3, and, this, and look at this encounter where God met Moses, and, and God revealed to Moses that I am. And it begins in Exodus 3 from verse 1. We're going to read right up till verse 14. So if you have a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to take your Bible up. And uh, it's even great if you want to make some notes, do that. But obviously the, the, the straps also come up and we have on the screen the scriptures. I read from the New International Version today. But uh, we're going to walk through this portion of scripture which is so rich with such meaning and uh, revelation for us. In, in Exodus 3 verse 1, we read these words. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, this just gives us a little bit of context for the moment we find ourselves in. So let's just describe that a little bit fuller. Moses is about 80 years old now. And he's now looking after his father-in-law's sheep. Now let's just think about that for a moment. How different his life has turned out. How unexpected it is to find Moses in this position. If you know the beginning of the story of the life of Moses, this is not where you would have thought Moses would end up. Looking after his father-in-law sheep. It's, it's a modern day equivalent almost would be like a, like a son-in-law that is looking after one of the shops of his father-in-law. And he's like running the shop. No life of great consequence if you compare it to where the promise of where Moses' life began. Remember, Moses was born in the time when the Pharaoh was killing the babies in Israel. 
And uh, his mother hid him because his mother felt that he was a special child, the scripture says. She looked at him and considered him to be special and therefore went through all the trouble, you know, the basket and to hide him. And not only did his mother think he was special, there was a special event that happened where God saved his life by getting him into the household of the Pharaoh. That Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and then, you know, he was raised by his mother for the first couple of years of his life, and then he grew up in the palace and became a prince ultimately in Egypt, educated in the schools of Egypt, which like, you know, that would be like the Oxford of our day, for instance, to be in the varsities of Egypt. It's like the best. He, he moved from being a Hebrew slave child to becoming a prince in Egypt, a position of great influence, authority, and power. What that life promised. When he was about 40 years old, what his future looked like, what it looked like his life was going to turn out. Now we go 40 years later, as the scripture says, it begins now, Moses. Now we go 40 years later, and he's looking after sheep for his father-in-law. What happened? What changed? How did this life suddenly take such an unexpected turn and end up in this place? Now, most of you will know the story, that there came a moment in Moses' life where where his, his Jewish roots, his Hebrew roots started standing up in his heart. And he saw injustice happening with his Hebrew family. And there was a day where he stepped in and, and between an Egyptian and a Hebrew. And it led to him murdering somebody. And then the, his own Hebrew people rejecting him. And he found himself in that space where he was neither Hebrew enough to have a place to belong. Nor was he Egyptian enough to have a place to belong. And he fled for his life. And he fled for his life from Egypt, and then he met Zipporah and married Zipporah, and that's where he found his father-in-law, you know, that whole story. And now we find him 40 years later living his life, ordinary life, routine kind of life, looking after sheep. Life is very different and unexpected for him. But there's a specific day where something happened that changed his life forever again. And it's this day where he's looking after sheep, and as he's just looking after the sheep, the scripture tells us, if we read from verse 2, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Now, we don't know exactly what that looked like, but it was probably some event where Moses was in an area with the sheep looking after them. And he noticed somewhere this bush burning. And first he noticed a bush burning, and that's not uncommon, a bush burns. And uh, then later the day possibly came past that and noticed the bush was still burning. And it should have been burnt out by now, but not continually burning and later saw it again. And it may be that the bush was on a little hill away from him or, or down in a ravine or something. But at some point it caught his attention and he turned and he said, I'm not going to investigate why this bush is not burning up, why it is continuing to burn. And uh, as he came closer to the bush, uh, something unique and quite unexpected happened. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Wow, what an event. I mean, imagine yourself being in the shoes of Moses. You're walking up to a bush that's already piquing your interest. It's a little odd that this bush is just burning. And the next minute, a voice comes to you from the bush. You know, I think we would all react in quite a surprised way and thinking, what have I eaten or what have I been exposed to or what happened? Why, why am I hearing voices coming from burning bushes? But God was speaking to him. That ordinary Day That day that started off like any other day, 
Moses going to look after the sheep. Not a very exciting job, a job where you sit and watch all day long. A lot of time to think, a lot of time to just, you know, consider life. Just like any other day. But then suddenly, God steps onto the scene. Now, why did God use a burning bush? It's important for us to understand that when God does something, He never does something capriciously. He never just goes, ah, arbitrary, let's just do this. He normally has a, He always has a reason why He does something. There's always more to it. And if you go into Jewish history, in the the Jewish encyclopedia, they talk about this event and what the meaning was of the burning bush. Now, in most translations, if you read the Greek, the Hebrew of the word that is used for the bush and the Greek that is used for this bush when it's quoted by Jesus in Mark 12, 26 and Luke 6, 44, those words all describe this bush as a thorny bush. So this was a thorny bush, a bush that was very common in the countryside of the day. You would find a lot of them. It wouldn't be very you know, noticeable almost. It's like they're so common that you wouldn't even, be, you wouldn't even really notice them anymore. Like we would have you know, our, our thorn bushes in, in South Africa that we're so familiar with. They sort of just, they're the countryside. You, you don't notice one specific one anymore. These were very uncommon, very common, very unremarkable bushes, thorn bush. But God chose this thorn bush. To not only draw attention to Moses, to draw attention, Moses' attention to himself by letting this bush burn, but God chose to be in the midst of this bush is the language, the language of the day. So God comes and sets this bush alight with his presence. So this bush was not just burning. It was alight with the presence of God. Like you would remember when the Ark of the Covenant, there was a, f- a flame on the Ark of the Covenant when it was the presence of God in, in uh, imbibing the Ark. And so this bush was alight with the presence of God. And this burning bush, this very common, very everyday, unremarkable bush, suddenly was remarkable. And there was a message in that. God was saying to Moses that I can... I can visit, I can dwell in the unremarkable. And when God comes and steps into the unremarkable, it becomes remarkable. Because not because that thing in and of itself is special, but because God's presence, God's dwelling in it, makes it become something special. So God draws Moses to this burning bush. And when Moses comes and, 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 and his attention is fixed on this burning bush, God begins to speak to him. And God interacts with Moses. And we, we read what God says in, uh, from verse 5. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. You see, when, when God's presence steps into something, even the dust of a desert countryside becomes special, becomes holy. Holiness is where God dwells. When things are set apart for the use of God, for the, for the purposes of God, they become holy. And even something as mundane, as ordinary as the dust on the desert floor becomes holy when God steps onto it. And God says to Moses, you have just entered into a holy place. Not because the place is holy, not because it was any particular beautiful place. I mean, this wasn't a temple. This wasn't some, you know, extraordinary vista, some like God's window kind of place. Or, you know, this was dirt on the floor in a desert. There's a lot of it. Dry, 
little life, nothing special, but God steps into it. You see, because it's not about the thing, it's about the presence of God. And this is what God was beginning to communicate to Moses in this moment. It's God's presence. It's God's dwelling in somebody or in a people or in a place that makes that place become alive with the potential of the power of God. That makes it special. That makes it something that is noteworthy and that is something that can transform life and the world around it. In verse 6, then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. God tells Moses, you, it's like he's introducing himself to Moses, but he says to Moses, we have this in common. We, we, you know me, actually, because of our shared history. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, and you are the descendant of that of those people of those patriarchs so we have that in common you know whenever you want to have a conversation with somebody whenever you want to dialogue with somebody you have to begin with what you have in common you have to have something in common for a dialogue to happen even if you just agree that it's worthwhile talking to one another that's something you have to have in common and here God comes to Moses and he says we have a shared history we have something in common it is the God that has has been part of your life already that is now speaking to you and he begins to have this conversation with Moses then the Lord said I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering God says to Moses I haven't forgotten I've heard, I, you may think that I have left you because I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now you find yourselves as Israel in such difficult place. And you may think that I have forgotten, but God says, I have not forgotten. And God says, that which I have begun, I will complete. I am still busy. I am still working my plan that I promised to Abraham. I'm still committed to that plan. I've not given up on that plan. I've not, I've not scrapped that plan and, and moved on to something else. That project that I started, I will complete it. I will do what I said I will do. I have seen the injustice and I will address the, address the issues of the injustice. So in verse 8, God says, So I have come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the la that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. God says, I have a plan, and I'm about to fulfill it. What amazing news. What great news for Moses. God has heard the cries of the people of Israel and, and God is, is going to do something about it. It's been 400 years of slavery for the Israelites. Finally, God is going to do something. What great news for Moses. But now God says something else. I think Moses was celebrating at the moment when God said he's going to step down and, and do something and rescue the Israelites and take them to a wonderful land. I think Moses was excited. But then God said this sentence. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. That changed Moses' mood, I think. God, if you want to save the Israelites, great, go do it. But I don't know. Don't send me. And, and, and God says, but I, I need to do this with you. Isn't it amazing how always when God wants to do something, He chooses a person or a people. He has chosen to act with us and through us. God has chosen that when He wants to do something so historic as, as setting a people free from their oppression, He always chooses a person 
Somebody needs to be available. Somebody needs to step out and say, you can use me, God. But that was very difficult for Moses. And in verse 11, we read Moses' response. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? What he's basically saying to God is, you're too late. Forty years ago, when I was a 40-year-old man and I was a prince in Egypt, when I was a man of influence, a man of stature, a man of connections, I had a network, God. I knew people. I could have been your man 40 years ago. I was well positioned 40 years ago to be used by you in, in this endeavor. But 40 years on, you're too late, God. I'm not your man anymore. My life changed out so, don't look at me, Lord. I'm looking after sheep. I'm, I'm forgotten. I'm no person of influence anymore. You've got the wrong guy. You've got the wrong guy. So Moses asks God two questions. And the first great question he asks God, and I want to say these are the two questions we all asking God all the time. We all have to ask God. And these are two questions we have to have answers to, to live our lives on this planet. The first question he says, who am I? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Isn't it amazing that on this Mount Horeb, where God is now in the burning bush, that years later, Moses would again be in that same area, that same vicinity, and meet God again face to face. And this time God would speak to him and give him the Ten Commandments. Amazing thing. God says to him, I'm starting a journey with you here today. And it's going to come around full circle and you will fulfill and you will worship me here again. God says, I have a plan. I have made my mind. You've got to go with me. Moses says, I'm not the guy. Who am I? Who am I, Lord? I'm nobody. If I go to speak to Pharaoh, he's going to laugh at me. Who am I? The people are going to laugh at me. The Egyptians don't respect me and the Israelites don't respect me. I don't, who am I to, to speak on their behalf? I can't represent them, Lord. I, they, they will reject me. Who am I? Have you ever asked that question, who am I? What, what, do, I, what do I do in life? What, what authority do I have? What, what is special about me? What is it that I can bring? What, you know, we can have an expectation that our lives should be something noteworthy and have purpose and meaning. But if you, if you come right down to it, who am I? Who am I that I should do something noteworthy? Whatever that may be. Moses says, who am I? God answers him and says, I will go with you. Moses responds in verse 13. He says, basically says, that's great. But you're too late again, Lord. 400 years earlier for the Israelites, they would have known who you are. But they don't know who you are anymore. He says the following. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? It's like he's saying to them, Lord, they don't know you anymore. 400 years ago, when, when they came and you saved them out of famine and you brought them to Egypt and you multiplied them and you made them a great nation, then they knew you. They, they knew who you were. They knew your name. But now, 400 years later, oppression, suffering, slavery, who are you? You're too late, God. The time has passed. Everything was set up. For you to do what you said you were going to do much better in a previous time. But now you've, things have decayed. Things have fallen apart. Things have come to a space where I don't think so, Lord. So he asks God the second question. Who are you? First question was, who am I? And the second question is, who are you? Those are the two great questions of life, aren't they? Who am I and who is God? 
Now, it's fascinating that when God addresses Moses, he doesn't answer the first question. He doesn't answer the question of who is Moses. He only asks, answers the second question, who, who is God? And the implication here is that you can't answer the first question if you don't answer the second question first. You can't know who you are if you don't know who God is. And God gives Moses this revelation, this, this, this sentence, this one little thought that is more important than the day we learned how to use fire to cook our food or to light our lives by. This little sentence, everything, all of life hangs off this little word that and God said to Moses, I am who I am. What a, I mean, what a self-descriptor. What a way to introduce yourself. It's the coolest, the greatest description every, anybody has ever given themselves. I am who I am. And the reality is only God can say that. What does he mean when he says, I am who I am? In that one sentence, God is saying, I am timeless. I am ever present. I, I know all things. I am all powerful. In that one little sentence, that's what God is saying. God is saying, I am who I am. In other words... I cannot define myself by anything else. You see, God is greater than anything else that exists. He is more than anything else that exists. God is more than knowledge. God is more than life. God is more than light. God is more than matter. God is more than anything. More than authority is God. Therefore, he can only say, I am who I am. Because everything else that he could describe himself by is less than him. He would diminish himself. He would box himself in. He would make himself smaller to describe himself by anything else. The full revelation of who God is, you can only find by knowing who God is. I am who I am. Everything else is less than God. If God had to say, I am fire, or I am knowledge, or I am this, as a statement that didn't come off this I am who I am, he would be less than. God says, I am more than anything. You cannot know me, God says, by knowing other things first. But you can know other things because you know me. Because I am who I am. I am the most. I am the highest. I am the fulfillment of everything. Everything that exists, exists because of me. So therefore, he says to Moses, Moses, if you want to answer the question of who you are, if Moses, if you want to know who I am, and I want to say the same to every one of you. We have to know who God is. You see, as a created being, made by God, in the image of God, the only way I can know myself is to know God. When I know God, I can begin to know who I am. If I focus on knowing myself, I can know some things about myself. I can know a very limited portion of, of who I am. But I will never know the fullness of who I am. You see, if Moses had to stand before God and say, who am I? And answer that question by looking at himself. He would say, Lord, I'm a man that had potential. I'm a man that was somebody someday. But now I'm just a sheep herder looking after my father-in-law's sheep. And I'm sure if Moses was thankful for his life. Moses was thankful for his family. Thankful that he had a job. Thankfully that he had a place. But it wasn't the place of influence. But God says, no, that's not who you are. If you know who I am, then you can know who you are. God, speaking from that burning bush, is saying to Moses, this little burning bush is a nothing. I've made millions of them, God says. But the moment I took up 
presence in this burning bush. This burning bush became a manifestation of my presence. I can do the same with you. You can feel like just another person. What sets you apart, God is saying, is not the fact that you thought that your mother said you were special. It's not the fact that you were rescued from death. It's not the fact that you grew up in Pharaoh's household. It's not the fact that you went to, to, to the universities of Egypt. It's not the fact that you became a prince in Egypt. All of those are wonderful things, and, and I can use those things. But God says, that's not what made you special. What makes you special is that I am dwelling in you, that I have chosen you, that I am sending you. When God says you are sent, nobody can unsend you. Because if the I am, the highest authority, the greatest Knowledge, the greatest understanding, the greatest light in the universe says you must go. Then who can debate that? Who can say you can't go? Because God has sent you. And it's the same with Israel. Israel, God is saying to Moses, Israel is not special because of their nationality. They're not special because of their knowledge of, of how they worship. They're special because I have chosen to let them be the carriers of my presence. And when God decides, that's the, that's the final point. That's the, nothing can change that. And so God is standing before Moses and he's saying, I have chosen you. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. And if you know who I am, then you will go. Because you know that I am greater authority. You see, Pharaoh was the highest authority that any person may have known. And Moses had close-up knowledge of who Pharaoh was and how Pharaoh operated. He understood the authority that Pharaoh had. But God says, if you know who I am, Pharaoh's authority is nothing. And I am sending you. If you want to know who you are, if I want to know who I am, we have to come to God and say, Lord, Tell me who I am. And God reveals so much to us through the scripture of who we are. He talks to us so much about who he has made us to be. But in our relationship with him by the power of the Holy Spirit, he, he will continue to, to reveal to us who we are and why he created us and why he purposed us and what his plan is with our lives. And that even in a time like this where it looks like it's so hard to fulfill the purposes of God, God has a purpose and a plan for you. You may feel like Moses felt, like it's gone. I've missed the opportunity. Perhaps at the beginning of 2020, when, when it, things looked like they, they, was, they were going somewhere, perhaps then God could have used me, but now I don't know. Or perhaps when I was younger, or perhaps when I'm older, God can use me. You see, we all have things in our mind that we use to, that, that either we say, this qualifies me so that God can use me, or this disqualifies me that God can use me. And while there's truth to all of those things, and those things do matter and, and, and fit in at some point, at the end of the day, being used by God and fulfilling the purpose of your life has got very little to do with you at the beginning of it. The beginning of it, it's got to do with about who God is and what His plan is and what He has decided. And I've got to come in line with that. And now if God's decided to use me for some area, He probably gifted me. He probably in my life built opportunities and, and sharpened me in certain areas. And, he, and those becomes the things that God can use. But it's not, He's not using me because of those gifts. He's using me because He decided. And He has a plan. God chose Israel. And that's God's choice. God chooses Moses. And God chose you. 
And I want to say to you, the church of the Lord Jesus, and when I use the word church, I want to use the word church, capital C and lowercase c, the church gathered and the church scattered, the church in its organized form and the church in its individualized form. I want to say to you, God has chosen us for such a time as this. This is the time. And I believe God is standing before the church right now, before you and me as individuals and before us as a corporate entity and a body and before his church in this, in this world. And he's saying, right now, you are the ones that I have chosen for my presence to, to abide in. And I am sending you. Will you dare to believe that? Will you dare to believe that God can send you? Or what are you going to hold up to say, Lord, this disqualifies me? Because of this in my life, you can't send me. Moses could hold up and say, Lord, I, I failed. I'm not Hebrew enough and I'm not Jewish enough. You can't send me. I, I killed a man. You can't send me. But God said, I'm sending you. It's my choice. I have the highest authority. Now, did Moses have to address those things in life and did God have to deal with them? Yes, for, of course. But at the end of the day, God chose. Or you may be in the other side where you say, Lord, you should be using me because look, I know this and I've got this and I'm this connected and I'm, and God may say, that, you know, if you think that's why I'm going to use you, getting it wrong. And I think there was a part where God was allowing Israel to be in slavery for 400 years so that they could get the message that they were not being used because of how special they were, but they were being used because of God's special plans and how special God was. And so it is with each one of us. God uses us. And he does use the special giftings and abilities that he puts in us. But he doesn't use us because of those special giftings and abilities. He uses us because of his plans. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. This is the time for the church. It's so wonderful that from today again, for we can start to gather again as the church and be together in, in some format in our, in, our, in our worship spaces and in our places and be the gathered church. But I want to say to you, whether we're scattered or gathered, we are the church that the Lord dwells in us. The Lord does not only dwell in our meetings, the Lord dwells in our everyday. We have to go. If God sends you, no one can unsend you. You can choose not to obey God. But because He's the I am, the only choice I have when God says go, I say yes, I obey Him. Because He's the highest authority. What is God sending you? Where is God sending you tomorrow? Every day we are living our lives in this world sent by the I am. The I am that I am. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. If you know that God has sent you, you must go. Go. Go and share His love with your neighbor. Go into your workspace and bring order in a world of chaos. Go and be the one that shines the glory on who Jesus is. Through your actions, through your speech, go. Because God is sending you. Time is not too late. The time is now. Because I am implies. I am the God that has always been. I am the God that is now. And I am the God that will always be. You see God is bigger than time. Time cannot define God. God defines time. The time is now. What is God saying to you? Let us be people that respond. Let's pray together. Father I want to pray for every person. That is Hearing this message today, whether it's online or on site, we thank you, Father, that you have chosen us. You have chosen me for such a time as this. And I pray, Lord, that there would be a, like, like that burning bush that drew Moses aside, that we would in this time be drawn aside. 
That we would be drawn out of our routine. That we would be drawn out of our everyday life. And to come. And to come to a burning bush moment. And to say, Lord, who am I? And who are you? And that as we get to know you. And as we get to understand your thoughts and your plans. And receive revelation and and direction from you. Lord, that, That we will be able to go forth. And like Moses went, Father. That man that felt like nothing. That couldn't hardly speak very well. That went and set the whole people free from slavery. and, 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 And brought your plans and purposes to pass. That we may go, Lord. And do what you have told us to do. That we will go and make disciples. Bring people free. Set them free. From the bondage and the lies and the fear of this world. And to get to know you. And that we will see a world transformed in this time. Because of who you are. Let our faith be real. Be practical. Because you are. I am that I am. Thank you Lord for your grace and for your goodness. In Jesus name. Amen. I want to encourage you. If you you need prayer today. Won't you just contact us online? There's people that are ready to pray with you and and just spend that time with you and help you. But know that the Lord has a plan and a purpose for you. Next week, we're going to carry on and we're going to take the seven I am statements that Jesus made throughout the book of John. And for those seven weeks, we're going to walk through that and practically see what does that mean in our lives as the ones that have been sent by God. How, How do we live off those I am statements? So join us. Continue to be with us on site and online. We look forward to being with you. May the Lord bless you. Before you go, we'd like to highlight three opportunities for you to experience growth, strength, and comfort in our community. We have a number of community groups in which you can find belonging and experience growth. Some of our groups have started gathering in person following the health and safety guidelines, but still accommodate those who prefer to join online. Use the link on screen to complete a short form that'll help us get you connected. If you are ready to get real with Jesus and experience life change within our community of faith, our Life Changes course is just for you. The Life Changes is a unique discipleship journey which offers you the opportunity to go deeper with Jesus and grow spiritually together with us. Registration closes tomorrow, so don't delay. Email the address on screen to book your place. That's all from me. Have a blessed Sunday and week ahead. Show